Wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Can you hear me now? Is the microphone on? Welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Long Jr., CEO. Remember, that's Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. I'm super excited. We've got season two, episode number 18, and we are ready to rock and roll. As a reminder, the Cold Calling Podcast is powered by my friends at Monster Connect. Leveraging technology to deliver actual conversations for sellers out there. Imagine connecting with eight to 12 decision makers every hour. Yes. And here at the Cold Calling Podcast, we're here to provide insights to help you, sellers, sales professionals, sales leaders, take your game to the next level. Now, hey, I'm honored to welcome today's guests and what we're going to call uh, a cold calling podcast first. We're focused on the topic of state of freight, selling 3PL services versus freight tech products and solutions. And hey, we've got joining us three esteemed guests, true logistics legends, as well as the legendary Brad Seaman, CEO of Monster Connect. Can you join me in giving a warm cold calling podcast welcome to Brad out of Indianapolis? We've got Herbert Orellana joining us out of Phoenix. We've got Kevin Hill out of the DFW, Dallas Fort Worth. And we've got Matt, don't call him long, John Silver, also out of Phoenix joining us. Let's give a warm round of applause to our guest today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I think I got enough microphones to go around, but hey, great to see y'all. How's everyone feeling? Doing pretty great. Thanks for having us. Walk up music. I can can feel the energy. I can feel the energy. So, hey, the way that we get things started on the Cold Calling podcast is first what I call the who, the what, and the why. So we're going to go in order. We're going to go Matt leading off, Kevin next, Herbert next, and then Brad. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? You're on the clock. You've got 90 seconds. Matt, the mic is all yours. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having us on. Thanks, everybody, for joining. So Matt Silver, Vice President of Partnerships with Greenscreens.ai. So we are predicting the cost to book a truck before the transaction happens. And we do that today to benefit the freight brokers in the industry moving into the shipper market in the early next year. So exciting news about that. Uh, but hands down, up against any of the legacy or incumbent products in market for freight costs, we are the only one that is forward-looking and the only one that publishes a report card. So you can see how accurate we are, unlike everything else in market. And I don't think I hit 90 seconds, but I'll defer my time because I'm going to talk everybody's ear off here later. <laughs> it's all good, man. I love that. Predictive. Oh, you're looking into the future. I love that. We're going to pass it over to Kevin, Mr. Hill. Yeah, my name is Kevin Hill, and I'm the founder of Brush Pass Research. And what we do is we supply the sales intel contact information for everybody in the freight brokerage world, for those freight tech companies that are selling into freight brokerages. It's like your master CRM or your Rolodex that would take you years to build. 
all in five minutes. Ooh, all in five minutes. You do all five that minutes. in five minutes. I five didn't minutes. know you were a magician, Kevin. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Herbert, I know we got a tennis legend. Herbert, the mic is all yours. Who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Uh, yeah, Herbert Oriana over here, uh, co-founder of Avanza Logistics, um, you know, one time ago, former low broker and also sales agent in the freight logistics uh, industry, uh, but now, uh, you know, dedicated to provide nearshoring, staffing, uh, and BPO solutions to, you know, dedicated to the logistics and freight tech industry. You know, we uh, we help, uh, you know, 3PLs, uh, you know, freight brokerages and freight techs to stuff up and scale up their operations, you know, efficiently. And, um, you know, coming from a firsthand experience perspective, uh, you know, we can definitely, you know, match, you know, some talent with, uh, you know, with the real core of job positions and companies hiring needs. Ooh, that's strong right there. We got, we got three legends in the house. And speaking of legend, we got the legendary Brad Seaman coming in from Indianapolis. Who are you? What do you do and why do you do it, Brad? All right. So uh, Brad Seaman, CEO of Monster Connect, and we provide a sales platform that's the fastest way for you to connect with your prospects. And um, I do this because, you know, being on the phone is really challenging. It gets harder and harder every year to get prospects on the phone. And, um, you know, as a as a sales leader, it was really hard to scale a large inside sales team that I ran. And I just started moving around pieces and parts trying to figure out how I could uh, – get the most out of the best sellers that we had. And that ends up becoming what is Monster Connect today. Wow. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm super excited to dive in and understand the state of freight. We're going to talk about the landscape and we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to go with Herbert, Kevin, and then Matt and any color that you have to add, Brad, the mic is all yours. I got enough mics to go around, but can you describe what's the current landscape of the logistics industry and particularly focusing on what are some of those key differences? What are those some of those key challenges in selling 3PL services versus freight tech solutions? Herbert, what you got for me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this year we have heard the phrase freight recession, you know, you know, a lot of times. I think like quietly in like enough. Um, but, you know, even though with the current market conditions, uh, 3PLs and freight techs, you know, they're still pushing hard, you know, to hit, you know, sales goals uh, for this year. Um, you know, when it comes to some of the, you know, like key differences between one and the others is that, you know, 3PLs and freight brokerages, uh, they're literally, you know, sell transportation and logistics services. You know, they focus on transportation uh, warehousing, you know, air and, and ocean freight and other uh, similar, uh, you know, services. And freight techs, I believe, you know, Matt Silver and Kevin Hill will be able to uh, provide more details. But, you know, it's a lot about technology, you know, how technology it's it's now being used in logistics and transportation, you know, like automating processes and, and, in, and literally, you know, just facilitating the job, you know, less paperwork, you know, less like uh, human work and, and more like efficient uh, processes and, and, and automation. 
I love that automation. We're going to we're going to talk about it a little bit later. I am robot. But before we get there, what you got, Kevin? Thank you, Herbert. You know, I'm, I'm going to take it one step further. We're in a depression, not even a recession. It's a depression. It's about 20 months into it. So you had the pandemic where it was booming. It was booming. Everyone's at home buying stuff. Everything's on trucks, shipping around. That stopped. That stopped in early 2022. And since then, the rates have gone down. We have too many trucks on the road for the number of loads. And as freight brokers, we're trying to match those up. So we have a lot of supply. That means a lot more competition in selling selling landing new customers right shippers their their volumes are down shipments are down it's a depression out there uh so it's hard to land new customers you have to be ultra aggressive uh herbert's right it's it's all about your competitive advantages your differentiation you leaning on technology and good data helps quite a bit but it's a it's always a cutthroat out there in the 3pl land it's really bad right now because we I, I would say, say it's a depression where, you know, we're going to see revenues down 40 percent in, in some cases, somewhere between 20 and 40 percent year over year uh, at freight brokerages. So it's 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 dicey. Wow, Kevin, I appreciate you going a little bit deeper and hold, hold up, y'all. Hold up. Do, do y'all hear that? There, there's someone knocking at my door. Uh, Ke Kevin, do you know who's knocking at my door? Uh, the doomsday machine. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it ain't a DoorDash. It's a, it's opportunity. Yes. I love that you shared. We're going through a depression. It, it, it's tough. Things are getting tight. When it's tight, how do you get right? The opportunity is knocking. Who's ready to answer the door? Hey, Matt, I know you're ready to answer the door. Talk to me. Absolutely. So Herbert and Kevin really set the stage nicely with – what's happening uh, both within the, the driver segment and the shipper segment within the brokerage segment, the three PL segment, you know, there, there also is abundance. There was abundance coming out of the pandemic rates were great. Everybody was making hand over fist money. So we saw investors double down, right? A lot of brokerages took a lot more money, likely more than they needed caused a little bit of bloat. We'll say, and little being hypothetical. And I'm trying to be sensitive to, to those that, that have fell victim to, companies that over, uh, you know, over invested in bringing in staff over invested in real estate. So we're seeing a lot of that wash out of the industry, just like we're seeing a lot of carriers, you know, re retract from the, the total available capacity, which is going to help supply and demand meet back together. But the opportunity is those that invest early, right? If you shore up your uh, corporate structure, if you get your business operating sound in tough times, you're going to be in a better place to launch as things start to correct. And I think, you know, Kraven, I'll, I'll look for you to like heads up, thumbs up, good, good or bad. Like, I think we're starting to see some, some uh, small signs that things are going to get better. Right. I, I think we're very much at the bottom of this long trough right now. We're seeing some signals in rates data showing that, you know, rates are starting to tick up single digit percentage, but starting to tick up and we'll take that as a good sign up against double digit drops in the past. Uh, we're starting to see some of those load volumes not return to pandemic levels. Right? We're, I don't think we're gonna see that enough, uh, soon, but if we get back to normal, and if some of us can remember what normal was two, three years ago, maybe three or four years ago, 
uh, we're, we're going to come out of this pretty all right. And at least those of us that are planning for it, those of us that have seen cycles before, right? Everything is a cycle. This is freight. Yep. We've been through it before. Maybe not as severe. We, we came from the very, very top, but it's survivable. Uh, and we're, we're seeing a lot of our clients, a lot of uh, mid-sized brokerages even really start to plan for what is next year going to look like and how do we get ahead of that uptick in business volume? Wow, Matt, I love that. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm always going to go with the silver lining, right? That's not just my namesake, but I, I, I really do look at things this way. You know, Herbert and I actually go way, way back and I'm doing like the Brady Bunch point down to him. Uh, he and I have a history together at, an, at a freight brokerage many, many moons ago. And we went through good times. We went through bad times. We, we've yeah. seen it all before. Kevin, you, you outdate us in this industry. You know, it, it is a cycle. Good times come, good times go, bad times come and bad times go. We're, we're going to survive it. It's a cycle. Much, much respect to our elder statesmen. Now, before we get to you, Brad, I want to let all of our viewers and our listeners, this is a perfect opportunity for you to ask. I, I've got a ton of questions in this little brain of mine, but this is a perfect opportunity to get any of your burning questions from Legends of Logistics. Go ahead in the chat. Get those Twitter fingers ready. Any questions that you have, we'll make sure that you answer them. Brad, I, I can I can see the gears turning in your head. What what you got for us, Willis? Well, you know, some of my some of them were questions. So, you know, what do you guys feel like the impact of Convoy and Yellow closing their doors here in the last couple of months has made on the made on the market? I don't like what it's doing to maybe some of the uh, interest in investors. In, in coming into freight, but I'm maybe I'm a little bit of a pessimist because I've seen so many companies try to dive into investing in freight that I'm not convinced we need more. Uh, I, I think we have knowledgeable investors fueling some of this industry. Mm -hmm. um, also to Kevin's point about, you know, an abundance of capacity, um, you know, the, the strong survive and those that were over leveraged will not and cannot, um, you know, personally and, I don't know if it's a popular opinion or not. I was surprised at how long Yellow Holt like held out. I was really surprised to see them last as long as they did. I think it was well known, at least in the you know the the financial community, that they were in tough times for a very long time. Um, you know, them them hanging out for maybe a year longer than expected was a, a sign of the strength of the the executive team that they put in place. Yeah, right. Now, do you feel like they, so as it pertains, so, I mean, it appeared that they basically were debt loaded is what, what appeared the, the primary, you know, the depressed market along with the overloaded debt created. Is it normal, like in the, what's the appropriate amount of debt that most 3PL uh, providers carry? Like, is it a lot? Cause it looked like they're, you're laughing. So it, it yeah, I, I might be a, again, like, my experience in this industry is pretty unique in that I've actually only ever been involved in debt funded brokerage. Um, I did build one from scratch and 10 months in, we, we got acquired. Uh, but every company I've been with uh, has been almost on the leading edge of, of debt finance. So my appetite for risk, my experience with it probably is unfair. Kevin might have a better pulse on like what's appropriate, what's average, what's sustainable even. Um, yeah, it's a really I'll, good I'll question. I, 
Yeah, no, I, I wish I had a better answer. It's a really good question. I, I know like working capital is always heavily financed, right? So you have factoring companies. It's, you know, you're running, you're almost like a bank, right? You're, you're paying out the carriers, waiting for your shippers to uh, pay you. And that is the, the, the gross, right? So maybe a $3,000 load, you might make three, four, five hundred $500 on. So you're going to make that that margin off of it, but you have a lot of cash coming in and out. So there's there's that financing. So if, if you land a, a million dollar a year or a million dollar a month client, you have to go out and finance that usually for, for your working capital. Uh, over the last few months, couple, three years, there's been kind of creative financing that that works with those those receivables and payables. And um and then that's caught a lot of people off guard in this in this environment right now. In this, I'll call it depression, because uh, you, very rarely do you see freight brokerages shut down, even in the, in the, the down cycles. And we're seeing a rash of of that right now, which is an anomaly in, in most uh, most cases. Yeah, I think you know when you look at the national data on. Um, startups or companies to start that succeed i think logistics and freight brokerages are amongst the highest so they have the least they have the least fail rate um, based on data that i that i saw so if you're going to go out and start a company um you got a, the high, one of the highest likelihoods of making a freight some type of freight company work versus opening a bakery well i mean if you put it in, in in perspective like i'm not sure if i got the the, the right number but you know in the u.s like i think there's like at least 80 percent of of the shipping is on you know ov over the road or some sort of logistics and transportation service you know and that's just the domestic freight um so you know the market share is is big you know and every time a new company opens operations eventually they'll they will have something to ship you know either to deliver or that they need you know so so I mean, definitely, I think that's a trend that it's going to continue. But just like Matt and Kevin were saying, I think in the last five years, there was like a boom of new investors and just saw an opportunity. You know, they were like, there's a lot of money in this industry. Let's just pile up this bunch of money into the industry and start funding all these companies or start creating these companies without the proper knowledge or with the proper team behind uh, behind that, you know, and I think Freytech was was a niche that had a lot of that, you know, and all of a sudden, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that they someone didn't come up with flying trucks already, you know, because because, you know, you can you have seen it all on, on Freytech, you know, I mean, um, so I, I think sometimes it's far from reality um, rather than than, you know, something realistic that you can actually, you know, like like uh, like put together. And I'll throw out a, a number here that is from Armstrong and Associates. They, they, they benchmarked the, the industry. In 2019, uh, the 3PL freight brokerage domestic transportation segment was uh, around $89 billion a year, which is a big market. 2022 is $160 billion. It doubled in those four years, mostly because of the pandemic. So you can see that boom and bust uh, coming, coming together right there. And, you know, the last four years, it's just been a hot market. And 20, started in the second half or really the first half of 2022 into 2023, it has just reversed back to normalcy, as Matt was saying, and which is 
quite a shock for a lot of people who have overinvested, overfinanced, really not really even overinvested, overfinanced, you know, with debt financing. And and rates are coming down or they came down 25 to 40 percent. You know, your pricing comes down, you, your debt's not coming down with it. And that's where we face the, the squeeze that we're going through right now. Wow, great insights. And Herbert, I love your background as we embrace and we drive change. I'm curious what you got cooking up. I know you're, you're a beast in the kitchen, but uh, when it comes to technology and, and specifically tech integration, in what ways has the rise of digital solutions transformed the traditional model of logistics services? How, how has that impacted your sales strategy as well as the strategy as you look out across the industry? And if you wanna throw in AI, I would love to hear your thoughts on the impact that AI has had on the industry. Well, you know, I mean, a little bit over 10 years ago when I was a low broker, uh, you know, like cool technology in freight was like posting loads online and, and getting inbound calls. <laughs> Like Craigslist. They were right. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, you just like post a load and then you got like a call and be like, hey, I want to take your load. And, and that was great. You know, and then obviously, you know, TMS and, and, you know, the transportation management systems and all that. But now it's just crazy, you know, what technology, um, you know, has to offer in, in logistics. You know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, from from 10 years ago to now, I mean, you see last like manual, uh, manual tenders, you know, or like tenders via email, you know, like shipment tenders. Now everything is automated through platforms or apps. Um, you know, like you have a, an owner operator that can, you know, like offer to a load, you know, through an app, like from his cell phone. And then the sales agent can either accept or negotiate the load from his, from his cell phone as well. So, um, you know, not to talk about, you know, like pricing prediction and, and marketing forecasting and, and, you know, and just a lot of stuff, you know, like spot bidding um, and just a lot of platforms. I mean, I'm sure that Matt loves this topic, but, um, but, you know, but now you can like track loads online on platforms, like from your cell phone, from your PC everywhere. So, I mean, no wonder why a lot of people is like just like you know working in logistics and have you know the freedom to travel around and be around you know uh, uh, um, I think like technology has been offering a lot in this industry lately. Well, ten years ago, fax machine, a fax machine was essential technology. Oh right? God, you're right. faxing everything around. These are right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we've come a long way, Kevin. Anything to add, and then we'll come to you, Matt. I know. I mean, Herbert, you know, it's, it's, you know, you have a lot of automation going back and forth, both in the back office and in the, the business process, you know, booking and covering loads, onboarding new carriers, you know, everything has just become much cleaner, right? You can go to an app and that carrier can get onboarded in a matter of a few clicks instead of faxing over a 20 page document that was uh, just a beast and having it signed and faxed back and then going to the insurance and confirming the insurance with another fax to insurance. It, it took all day to, uh, to do anything, but, but now everything is just pretty seamless. And then you get into the data and, and Matt can really talk about this, uh, about that, that market data you have to have to be really competitive, right? Because you have to price your, your loads right. And, uh, 
that that's that has come so far in the last 10 years. It's amazing. Yeah, looking back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I'm trying to to think how long I've I've been doing this. I certainly had a full head of hair when I started, but you know, back then we actually had like hardware issues, right? Kevin mentioned the the fax machines. I still know offices that have those. Um, But I remember, you know, the issue that we would have connecting to drivers, whether it was email communication, text message, whatever, we had drivers that legitimately did not have smartphones, right? We're talking predating iPhones and how chaotic that, that segment of the industry was. And, you know, building from that, right? You know, when Herbert and I were booking loads together, there was a time where, you know, we had a bunch of dudes down the hall with pivot tables and that was a competitive advantage because we knew how to extract a bunch of data into Excel and then we had a team behind the scenes playing with numbers and then yelling out to the floor like, no, Long Beach to Phoenix is this price today, right? Nice. And that that worked. That was our technology at the time. Fast forward, you know, especially in the, the last 10 years, we've had a lot of uh, investment also made, but a lot of technology, a lot of companies come to market promising to be this silver bullet, Right. We're going to bring everybody onto one platform. We're going to fix freight. And it's never happened, right? Anybody who promises to, to do that much, it, it's a guaranteed failure. And what we're really seeing, especially the last you know two to three years, is this like really specialized startup segment. Companies, and you know, of course, I'm going to talk about our own, but other companies that are coming out doing one thing exceptionally well. You know, Kevin mentioned yeah. onboarding. We have Highway as a new uh, contributor in that segment, and they are very specifically doing identity validation. They do it extremely well, and that was a piece of the puzzle of larger companies a while ago. These guys are building a business around one feature, green screens. We do predictive pricing, one feature. There's a number of these companies coming out specializing in doing one thing at a certain level, but being very integratable being very willing to play well with others, maybe even to the point of co-opetition uh, or friendly competition with, with other companies. Um, and that's really benefiting not just the brokerage space, the shipper space, but also the drivers, right? Drivers can now operate off a cell phone. You don't have to have a dispatcher. You don't need a back office. You truly can go lease a truck and get to work you can find your freight for free on a number of the free load boards out there. You can have low cost or no cost accounting software behind you. You can provide visibility back to the freight broker or the shipper through any number of tracking technologies that are available now. Um, the negotiation like Herbert was talking about, right, happens via text, happens via email. Phone calls are still a thing, but they're becoming less and less important. Um, and with the rise of fraud, in the last 24 months, uh, I think we're seeing a lot of not just freight brokers pull away from the load boards, usually at a uh, a demand of the shipper or the freight owner, right? They don't want their freight posted out there for everybody to see. But we're also seeing drivers withdraw from those segments because they're getting hit with fraud. They're having their, their MC or their ID, uh, excuse me, identity stolen. So we're slowly migrating to the space where the transaction will be more secure and mitigated by smaller elements, smaller players in the total transaction. But overwhelmingly, each piece of that puzzle, each uh, 
you know, point of data will become more valid and vetted. And we'll, we'll move to these faster transaction cycles, I believe. Matt, what's the alternative if you don't go to the load board? So if you're not posting on the load board, which is what's creating the significant piece of this fraud, correct? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Are you looking at private transactions then? So there, there's a lot to that, Brad. Um, you know, you'll, you'll get the load boards were running around to the freight brokerages five years ago, promising to sell them like, oh, you can OEM your load board, right? You can have a private load network. Sounds neat, right? Sounds Sounds super cool. Uh, but you're now as a brokerage responsible for pulling drivers into your platform. And that's where uh, drivers are overwhelmed. Right? Um, in my past, we used to talk about like app fatigue. Drivers don't want another app. Drivers also don't want another website to go to. What they want is to ingest loads that just match them based on their known history, their preferences, whatever they're filling out in those packets. Um, and that's where I, I think we're seeing a lot of change behind the scenes. There's Companies like Parade, there's companies like Trucker Tools, all these digital freight matching platforms, Cargo Chief, Freight Friend, Neutral. There's a lot of these independent, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll segment them off as startup and newer companies that are focused on matching available freight transaction to available truck. Um, and then it's, it's a matter of how do you notify? How do you let people know that now is the time that this load is available without it being publicly posted, right? Um, and it's no different than, you know, if we equate things back to how we live our lives, right? Uh, if I wanted to know where the best tomato sale was, you know, we used to get the newspaper out, right? And you thumb through all the pages on Wednesdays of the grocery ads to look at all your different grocers and who's pricing what, where. Now it's at the point, like, if I think the word tomato, the next ad on my phone is tomato, right? Uh, let alone if I say it out loud, but things are moving digital. Things are moving, dare I say, predictive, right? Mm -hmm. we, we know, we being the industry, we know uh, with some certainty, not, not everything, with a high degree of certainty, where freight becomes available at what cadence based on shipper behaviors, patterns, and, and consumer buying. Within that, we can also predict capacity across the landscape fairly accurately. And again, this isn't a silver bullet, one size fits all, 100% of the freight moves this way. But imagine, you know, if we can move, you know, today digital freight matching is probably single digit percentage. Imagine when it gets to be like 25% of all freight shipments, right? Uh, the, these things become predictable and identifiable and we stop wasting time in the transaction. There's a massive labor savings that goes along with it. The negotiations become shorter because the cycle becomes more efficient. Powerful, powerful. I, I would love, and, and Kevin, you had mentioned earlier about the landscape being challenging. I think you had talked about cutthroat. I want to know what are some of the keys to success in sales? How, how can we have success in sales in today's environment i mean i need to get my boxing gloves out it, it sounds like it's a doggy dog world it, it is you know like like environments like this when, when you're in a down cycle it becomes a race to the bottom and that's what we call it rat race to the bottom of pricing because everyone starts competing on pricing and someone's always going to undercut you there, there's so many freight brokers out there someone's always going to undercut you i mean it's, it's, a, it's a given now whether they can actually execute that business or not 
doesn't really happen all that often, right? So that, that freight will come back to you, but it's all about competitive advantages. It's all about differentiation. And I, I would, I've sold a number of different things in my life. Freight to shippers is by far the toughest thing I've ever sold. Because as soon as you get off the phone with somebody, no matter what you say, five minutes later, another freight broker is going to call them and say the exact same thing. So how do you prove you're different? You can, we can all say we're different. How do you prove it? Because everyone's using the same lines. And, and technology can help you out with that. Um, but you have to, to really focus in on what makes you different and being able to prove that on a, a cold call. Another way to do that is just to call, 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 because you have to be in front of somebody at all times because it is freight, it is logistics, something's going wrong every day, every minute, and you have to find those people who are ready to make a change because they've been burned one too many times by the people they're using right now. And those are the two key things that I think anyone can, can pick up and start doing today. Uh, to, to, to make a dent in this market right now. So, so you're telling me I need to pick up that 500 pound phone. I need yes. to reach out and touch someone because who knows when opportunity is knocking and uh, Brad, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think, I, I think I know of a tool that might be able to assist me <laughs> with, with uh, picking up that phone to speak to those people that I want to connect with. Is, is that right? You got, you got it. Yep. We, we make it easy. You're getting uh, a raise, Larry. Say that again, Herbert. You're gonna get a race. Yeah. <laughs> you're, Larry's gonna start. Me. If you just look at the right and left hand corner of your screen, you're gonna see a small 800 number. If you would just call that number, put L A R R Y in the prompt. Make sure I get my check. I love it, Mr. Silver. If you could drop some gold on us, uh, I heard Kevin mention the power of relationships. And I met a sales, he was a self-proclaimed sales guru out of South Florida, but he shared with me that in his 30 years of selling, the difference between contacts, people that he knew, and contracts, people that he did business with, was that letter R, relationships. Matt, if you don't mind, and then Herbert afterwards, can you talk about the power of those relationships within the industry? Yeah, I, I think the relationships genuinely are all that matter. Kevin hit it on the head when he said, like, it's freight. Something's going to go wrong, right? I used to manage a sales team, and Herbert might remember this, but when, when we were cold calling, it wasn't, here's our differentiators. Here's why we're better than everybody else. It was just like, hey, did somebody fail to pick up a load recently? Because we know it happened, right? You're a doc something happened, right? Or have you had a freight claim recently? Yeah, we have better insurance, right? Selling to the, those unique differentiators is important, but ultimately building the relationship because you're going to fall back on that relationship when it goes wrong and your name is attached to it, your logo is attached to it. Uh, and I, you know, Larry, you called out like AI. AI isn't replacing bodies, right? AI is not empathetic. AI is... You know, and let me rewind. It might replace some bodies somewhere in manual, repeatable work that will be better suited for a computer. You know, I mentioned we used to have a team on, you know, spreadsheets, building out those pivot tables. That's better served with technology today, right? We don't need somebody doing the same thing 12 times a day, all day long until they burn out and move on. We need technology to assist the people that are building the relationships. 
So leaning into technology to help make you better decisions, more informed decisions faster, you know, compounding all that data into something you can make a decision from, but then using the bodies, the actual people to build out those relationships, know your customers, like all the little things, right? What's your customers killed kids names? What's their dog's name? When's their anniversary? Did you send them flowers? Right? Like, if they're food adverse to anything, like don't send them pizza with their least favorite topping on it. Remember that they hate mushrooms and send every pizza without mushrooms, right? Do those little things. So when your truck is late, when your driver accidentally clips a curb, knocks a pallet over, whatever happens, you can call in the favor that you need to not be replaced by that notes brokerage who's going to call your customer, promise to be better than you, promise to do it for less money than you are. Uh, you don't have to race to the bottom if you're selling service, right? Chick-fil-A doesn't sell the cheapest chicken out there, but they do have the best service and their line is in the street every day. Matt, you can't do that, man. You're making me hungry. Whoa, <laughs> Herbert, wait, what do you have to add? Yeah, so, I mean, Matt left me with no room to, to keep adding. So, <laughs> so I'll just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take over, you know, just a few things, you know, just like, you know, Matt was saying right now, you know, you, you can start pick up, you know, pick up the phone and just saying, hey, like, you know, do you have any, you know, did anyone, you know, drop the ball on your low last minute or something like that? But, you know, but you also have the sales agents who probably have built good good relationship with some carriers that are good at, you know, drop trailer operations or or some carriers that are, you know, like dedicated to overnight deliveries. And and, and that might be a very you know, specific service that you might be able to, you know, to pitch out to a shipper, you know, Um and and you know I'm I'm gonna like turn over to freight tech and 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 I feel like you know selling to three PLs and and to a brokerage uh, it's it's different you know because I mean I think you need to understand and and recognize like the decision makers and you know at a shipping company you know a logistics manager might have the green light and approval, you say, hey, you know, we're going to use you. And at a brokerage, you know, that you're selling like automated services and a software, then you might be looking for, you know, higher up, you know, decision makers and and probably more expensive product as well. So I feel like you have to go very detailed about um, what are they going to be able to, to deliver what are they going to be able to accomplish with your product? And I and and I think that you know this goes back to every sales person out there, and it's like doing your homework, you know, and doing a little a little research about who you're going to talk to, what what they do, and how your services or products, you know, can enhance their operations or help them to, you know, save some money. Wow, Herbert, you must be a mind reader because my next question was, I, I want. That one tip for, for those sellers that are listening in right now or maybe on the recording, what's your best piece of advice that you have for them to have success in this environment? And Herbert, I appreciate you sharing about doing research 
about being prepared, about the little things really being the big things. Because I, I know you're a high-level tennis player. You're logistics and sales savvy. You're self-driven and goal-oriented. You oh love to cook and passionate about your job and you're very creative. <laughs> I did my research. So, I mean, if others want to be uh, rocking and rolling like LLJR, what else can they do, Kevin and them that? What do you have to add? Keys to success in this environment. Um, I think for me, I mean, there is no, you know, a 100% correct answer to this. But for me, it's to stay relevant. You know, like, what what do you do to be relevant to your prospect? And I think, obviously, that comes along with doing your homework, doing some research. But, uh, you know, like, if you, like, prospecting you know food and beverages shippers then then if you already have experience with them you know like show them you know that you're familiar with their you know on-time pickups and on-time deliveries you know that's a very hectic uh logistics environment you know they like things to be picked up and delivered on time and if not they hate it um you know and then you know you have, you have like paper and packaging shippers you know and manufacturers you know you and you'll know that you might have some loves of carton box. You know, a lot of carriers, they hate that type of look because, you know, it gets their trailer dirty and all of that good stuff. So so be like, hey, you know what? I have some, you know, pull of, of trucking companies and they don't mind, you know, hauling, hauling this kind of stuff. So so I, I feel like, you know, just learn how to be relevant to your prospects. That that That's what I'm going to say. I love it. I love it. I love it. What you got, Kev? I, Herbert said it very well, you know, be relevant, talk their language, right? If you're going into a paper company or a food and beverage, talk food and, food and beverage instead of transportation. You know, you, you have to earn their trust. You have to be an expert at what they do, or at least be knowledgeable, ask great questions about what they do. And then you marry into the transportation at the, at the end, you know, to be relevant right now as well is to stack up Stack up the no, not right now, because the market's going to turn. And this is the, the, the time to really lay the foundation to be up and running when it does turn up. You, you have all the pieces in place. You have those relationships that are forming. You might not be getting the business yet, but you're forming those relationships. And as, as soon as the need arises, they're going to click you on. I love it. Laying the groundwork, putting in that work right now to be ready on the upswing. And Matt, I know it's tough being an Arizona State Sun Devil fan. Yeah, I did my research as well. But what, what, what tip do you have for us in terms of keys to success, that biggest key to having success? Yeah, right now, I, I, I think these guys hit it right. You know, you, you want to stay in contact, get the no up front. We, we know it's coming, right? Just get it. Right. And, and then work through it. But be persistent. One of the things I always tell sales reps is just shut up. Right. Ask the question and then shut up and listen. Right. Your sales prospect is going to tell you everything they need to hear back from you. All the validation points to get the sale. Just ask them for their pain points. Ask them why the last provider failed. Ask them what they don't like about who they're doing business with today. Don't badmouth your competition. Right. Be friendly about it. Be open to criticism, even about your own operation. But listen to them, actually hear them parrot back some of what they're saying and be ready because it is going to come around. That, that sale always comes back around and they might test the waters with you with asking your opinion about somebody or something. Right. Just to see, are you of integrity? Are you able to service what, what they're 
you know, going to be pushing for or projecting for next year. Be ready for it. Matt, what, what are some of the strategies for like selling like, you know, SaaS, you know, freight tech? You know, what, what would you say it has worked pretty well for you, you know, this year? I'm, I'm, Stand I'm, out. I'm really yeah. impressed. Yeah, it, it, freight, freight tech is interesting because we, we do sell as SaaS, right? We're, we're a monthly subscription, flat rate to, to any of our customers. Um, you know, the, the biggest objection, just candidly with, with you guys, that our team comes up against is like, wow, this is super great. We love it. It's not in the budget, right? And that, that's the, the first no we're always going to get. And be mindful and respectful of it. Like, yeah, of course, we're, we're asking you for money you don't have in a down market. I get it. But one of the things we've done incredibly well, especially, you know, call it the beginning of the, the uh, free conference season, spring of uh, 23, our team has stood out and we, we've stood out a number of ways. One is we physically stand out. We wear Hawaiian shirts in public settings. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is more than just a lifestyle. This is like the most muted thing I own for these settings. But we make sure everybody in the room knows who we are and why we're there and what we do. That is it, right? We will never be in a room around our prospects where they don't know who we are and what we're capable of doing from a technology standpoint. We continue to educate, right? We're, we take a very consultative approach. Like, I respect that you don't have the budget, but what you also don't have is the ability to waste money on tools that don't get you to the finish line, right? And every freight brokerage is burning cash on a bunch of tools that they signed up for one year, two year, three years ago, they're stuck in a contract. And those tools are not helping them evolve with this industry as things change. They're losing business to their competitors because they're all using the same pricing tools, right? And we're highlighting, here's what we're doing different. You're not pricing freight that moved last week. Why are you using tools that tell you what the price of freight was last week? You're moving freight and you're bidding on freight that tomorrow into the future. So you need something that matches your customer demand and we'll be here when you're ready for it. So, so now, that Matt, would somebody okay. typically have a line item in their budget for pricing tools? I mean, is that something? So when you come in, you're actually coming into a budget, right? You're not selling something that that they don't have a budget yeah. because they didn't know it existed, right? Whether they have it on the line item as a pricing tool or not, some companies absolutely do. Some companies even have pricing teams, right? So they have labor spend on top of technology assigned to it. Uh, a lot of freight brokerages, especially like that SMB market sub, call it 100 million or so in annual revenue, um, they may not know that they already have it in their budget because for the, the legacy tools that exist, you know, whether it's... I don't, I don't necessarily want to name names, but there's some load boards that have pricing tools. Uh, those pricing tools are add-ons to existing subscriptions for another service. So they got into pricing tools by means of, hey, I was using a load board to push my freight and advertise it out. Then I got upsold by that company for their pricing index. Now I'm paying for the pricing index from two or three different sources. But again, it's indexes, right? Indexes are awesome. I know exactly what happened with all of the stocks I invested in, in the last year, week, month, whatever. That's killer. I love that. It just shows me what has happened. It doesn't tell me what's going to happen. If I could invest on that knowledge, I would not be sitting here, right? I'd, I'd actually be having this real view behind me, uh, sitting in the mountains, <laughs> enjoying life, because I would know what stocks are going to trade at or what a truck is going to cost tomorrow. 
Wow. Herbert, I appreciate you asking that great question. As uh, Matt said, sometimes I got to listen. Hey, Brad, what's on your mind? What other questions do you have? Um, well, one of my questions is, you know, since so for it's probably a Matt, I guess it's for all three of you guys. I mean, do you guys envision with the with the rise of AI, do you envision a world where the um, the three PL and the broker have their own bots and they're working out their own conversations amongst the two without a person? Herbert, I'm, I'm going to let you kick this off because I feel like I, I'm probably the most relevant. Uh, recent information around it. Yeah, I'm going to pass it along to Kevin first. <laughs> <laughs> so why does nobody want to answer, answer this question? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't think so. Unless maybe there's there's automated trucks, right? Driverless trucks. Um, the human element uh, of the driver, uh, fleets have driver managers for a reason. Um Freight brokers work with it with drivers for, for a reason and logistics, as we all know from history and time memorial, there's problems. There's lots of problems. There's unforeseen problems. We all have our horror stories uh, about that. And with the fraud, um, that, that layers on some more. But, you know, have you ever had a driver who's, uh, you know, going cross country for you end up in jail in the weekend? Um, and, and that's the reason why the load's late. Uh, you just have to have people with those situations. I have had that situation before, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, you know, the cops get called, you know, good things happen, bad things happen, accidents happen. Um, so I think for a certain amount of freight that is very vanilla and very easy, you can maybe do that. And I think that's where the digital freight matching is, is basically at. Uh, but for a lot of it, there's, you know, the exception is the rule in logistics because there's always going to be an exception. And we always had on the, the brokerage floor, we always had this, this saying, you know, either I'm going to screw it up, the truck's going to screw it up, or the customer's going to screw it up. But something's going to get screwed up by, by, the, by the time the truck picks up an A and delivers in B, something's going to go wrong and that needs to be fixed. Yeah, well, I, I think that so as we were talking about selling, one of the things that I think, Matt, you kind of alluded to or you maybe kind of directly talked about, you know, giving the, you know, having your sales guys ask a question and be quiet. You know, one of my favorite um, quotes is by Billy Durant, the founder of um, General Motors. He doesn't get you. We typically think about Henry Ford. We don't think about Billy Durant, but he was successful in his own right. I also founded Frigidaire, which is which is interesting. But one of the statements that he says about selling or said about selling was that uh, sellers need to give the buyer a chance to make their own decision. And so he talked a lot about hey, asking the question and being quiet and letting the buyer get comfortable with really sell, essentially selling themselves. Um, one of the things that I think as we talk through um, this, and I really. There's a lot of with AI, I spend a lot of time thinking about what the future of selling is going to look like. You know, are we going to be sold to bots? One of the hurdles that I have is, you know, bots can't really be empathetic, even though we, you know, I spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of time. AI is a significant piece of our uh, of our business model and a significant piece of where I put a lot of my energy. Um, you know, bots can't they can't daydream. You know, they don't have the ability to like forward think and 
and they and they kind of we can teach them to be empathetic to some level. Um, but it's a taught empathy, right? So I think my question kind of for your when you guys um think about the selling environment in the DPL, do you think it as um, you think there's there's going to what I hear you guys alluding to is, hey, there's always going to be this need for for some kind of empathetic decision. making, And you think that that'll continue to be the case? I, I think 100 percent. Yes. And, you know, not not to punt your last question about it, but the reality of it is, is like there's already bought activity in freight. It's just implemented differently. It's not driver to broker negotiation bots. There's some of that. Right? Like, mm-hmm. that that's just rules exception. It's if then statements. I don't think, you know, while technically it falls in the umbrella of AI, it's not AI as we think about it, like Skynet, right? The the robots coming down doing our jobs, right? And that's, I think also maybe like where the conversation starts is like, you know, AI is this broad spectrum, everything between like a crappy phone tree and true decision-making, independent thought, machine learning level, generative generative AI. Uh, and there's a lot in between there, right? So there are brokerages using elements of AI around pricing rules to go out and bid, right? They're going to bid boards. They're getting thousands of at-bats with potential customers before their competitors pick up the phone um, and that, that's a good use of it, right? There's some elements, right? Kodiak, I think, is doing a great job down in Texas of doing some automation via driver um, or driving um, depot to depot as opposed to dock to dock, right? They're, they're segmenting out the long haul portion and under the right rules, that can be mitigated with it. And so there, there's going to be pieces that go the way of, let's just call it technology, like we always have, right? Uh, this is just scary because you can go to chat GPT and ask these crazy questions about whatever and get answered. Uh, that's just a better implementation of research technology, right? That That's the AI a lot of people lens it through. I don't think AI is going to pick up the phone and call all your prospects and manage to navigate phone trees to a decision maker who is motivated by something we can't describe today, right? Um, you know, their motivation might be to hit their end of quarter number and through conversation, you'll learn that. But, uh, if you just have a scripted bot go through, right, it's, it's, if then statements, it's going to try to navigate the waters as best as possible. It may not get to the empathetic results that we're all looking for. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think about selling, and I don't know who coined this, but, um, selling is the transition of passion. You know, I, I think that ultimately, particularly in a B2B environment, that's essentially what you're doing, right? You're exchanging your passion to onto somebody else. Um, and I don't know that we're anytime soon. I don't know that that's, I mean, how does a, uh, you know, we're definitely going to see technology continue to further itself in the sales process. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to re- replace the ability to transition pa- or transfer passion. Yeah, and I wanted to add to that, and and I was gonna say something like that. That I mean, for us, you know, this year uh, we have an increase of requests for SDRs and BDRs, and and I think you know when I see our SDRs of five years ago and the ones from three months ago, you know, all this technology and AI and all these tools, they're helping them 
be better sales agents, you know, be better at their job. You know, I mean, they are connecting with more prospects. They can, you know, like pitch their 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 sales pitch a lot better and they can, you know, come up with quicker answers for them. You know, so I, I think that, um, you know, just kind of like what Matt was saying, I feel like I don't see a next year, two years or five years where where there's not going to be someone, you know, pounding the phone or sending emails, um, you know, but there's going to be more technology available that will help that person become more successful and and do a better job at sales. Yeah, Brad, I, I like the, the passion, the passion, because that's what it is. And I, I think we're emotional creatures. We make decisions based on emotions and not rationality. We, we, we make the emotional decision of buying or whatever else. And then we rationalize it afterwards, right? And I, I don't see how AI can can really replace that because we're just emotional creatures. 100%. Oh, so true. Y'all have been absolutely great. Now, before we wrap up, we want to make sure we get you out of here on time. And uh, we have gone to the top of the hill, Kevin Hill. Uh, we have been given the gems of gold and matte silver and smooth and cool as Sherbert. Thank you, Herbert. But essentially, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Yeah, you see what I did there, but I'm bummed. I I've got to ask, 30 seconds each, what are you thankful for? We'll, we'll start with you, Matt. We'll go to Herbert, Kevin, and then Brad. What are you thankful for? You got 30 seconds. I love it. First off, thank you for, for having us on. But I'm, I'm thankful for this industry, man. This has been the, the ride of a lifetime. I didn't think I came to freight as a career, right? It was a job when I started. And it has turned into some of the most fun I've ever had. You know, I, I keep referencing Herbert, but we've known each other for like 12 years now. Uh, and, and we keep bumping into each other. Kevin and I have been tripping over each other's feet at various brands over the years. And I'm fortunate that I get to spend quite a bit of my time on the road at conferences, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, doing all that thing. But I continuously come up against and, and see more people in this industry that have built incredible companies and have realized success because we've all decided to make this industry better. And I'm super thankful for that. I, I love it. Oh, I love to hear that. Herbert, what are you thankful for? Well, I think same as Matt, I didn't start in logistics for, you know, thinking about a career, but more like, a, you know, a job. And then, you know, literally then soon after that, you find out how everything moves around and you're like, wow, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scene for you to have something at your house. And, and then, you know, you see all these trucks around on the freeway, on the highways, and you're like, there's a low broker behind it, and there's a sales agent, and there's a dispatcher and a truck driver, and all of that is like, it's like pure magic, like seriously, you know, like there's no one party that has 100% of control of everything. There's just, you know, many people in this like chain, and, and other than that, I mean, we all know that logistics and transportation is a hectic environment. So when I see a Kevin that, you know, know him for so long and Matt, you know, over a decade now, and that they're still in logistics, you know, it's pretty impressive, you know, because a lot of people, you know, might want to leave the industry and be like, you know, this is enough. Like, yeah, it, it was fun. It was good. I met 
good people, but I'm out of here. And, you know, to see people that's been in this industry for 10, 20, 30 years, I always have uh, respect for them. Oh, I love it. Kevin, what you got? I, echoing Matt and, and Herbert, we used to have a, a saying at Freight Waves, you know, you don't choose transportation. Transportation chooses you, and then it will never let you go. So I, 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 it's been great. I, I came in as a job, and, um, and it's turned into a, a great career and, and wonderful people, people that, you know, the relationships uh, that, that we've all made and that we, we keep making is, is, is special, and um, that's what I'm thankful for. Oh, I appreciate it. Brad. You know, I, I'm thankful for uh, just a great team, great product, and great relationships that have been built over the years. Uh, this is this is around the time, um, a little over 11 years ago, that Monster Connect got started and kind of a tumultuous time in my life. So I'm always very reflective um, just uh, how far I've come and um, just, uh, just have built really great friends over the years. I love it. I love it. I want to tell y'all I'm thankful for each and every one of you. For joining us as esteemed guests. Thank you, Brad Monster Connect. Thank you to those, our viewers, our listeners, for supporting us and supporting this industry. We're in the business of relationships, and we appreciate that relationship that we all have. I wish each and every one of you uh, a safe, a happy, a thankful Thanksgiving, and we look forward to you joining us next Wednesday, November the 29th. Same bat place, same bat time. Let's give a warm round of applause to Matt Silver, Herbert Orellano, Kevin Hill, and Brad Seaman for being our guests today, dropping so much knowledge. Thank you so much, gentlemen. We wish you all the best, continued success. Keep shining, and we'll see you on the flip side. Bye for now. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Take care now.